From somewhere in Northeast Indiana, Mike Davidson lives. And now your host of the podcast, Mike Davidson. Oh, hell yes, Mr. Robert. Thank you very much. It's me. It's Mike. Mike Davidson lives. Thanks for downloading this latest podcast. Lots to get through, including um, uh, including the NFL and gambling, more Bud Light crap, Jonathan Majors, and uh, just a whole slew of things, really. I, I, before I even came up here, I'm downstairs. I, um, it's about 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. Uh, rocking my son to sleep, and I'm getting a text from my dad, who uh, who's retired and therefore has no has no clock. He's up uh, whenever, wherever, and uh, he's asking if I can see the Northern Lights here in Northeast Indiana and Fort Wayne. He's having trouble because he's south of Indy. He has to contend with hills, um, and he also has to contend with the the, the lights from Indy. And I went out to the driveway. Yeah, I can't see it, man. Got uh, the lights of Fort Wayne, the lights of New Haven, and cloud cover. Typical for uh, typical Indiana stuff, man. When you want to go and see something, you can't because it's cloudy as hell. Um, somebody's seeing it out there, uh, but then again, you're listening to this uh, days later from this. But I just kind of this endless fascination of the random stuff I get sent by my dad. Uh, on a Sunday night when I have to go into work Monday. But uh, the good thing is, I'm kind of nerve-wracking too. It's going to be a short work week for me because uh, Friday I have off. Hazy, she's getting um, she's getting the uh, tubes in her ears, and hopefully that can help her hear a little better. Uh, she's been putting up for that pretty much all her life, four years of life. Um, but uh, that, that's one of the reasons why, uh, unfortunately, we're not getting a dog right now. We were up until Friday afternoon going to do it. My wife had a scheduled doctor's appointment, and it looks like she's going to have foot surgery. And we were going to go down Saturday, take a look at some Australian cattle dogs. And we had to put that off because my wife's got to get surgery. And she just said, hey, look, it's got to be a lot for you to be doing a full-time job. And helping me with uh, recovery from this thing and dealing with three kids. And she's right. The kids are a lot heartbroken. But, uh, you know, I explained to them, hey, this gives us some time to kind of prep the house for uh, the possibility of a dog eventually getting here. Because the plan is we're still going to get one. Just the one we had our hearts set on. Not going to happen now. And, and I want to bring this up, too, because my wife, she's she's the driver of this idea of getting a dog she is primarily a cat person we got two cats already in the house but she had an australian cattle dog an australian blue healer but when she told me friday that we weren't going to get the dog i felt immediately upset this was like my inner 10 year old just saying life sucks life's not fair because when she said that i didn't realize how badly i too uh wanted this dog and so a little heartbreak breaking. I think the kids handled it a little better than me. I mean, I didn't like scream or curse or anything, but it was just like I kind of pouted a little bit. But uh, just something to get through. Now we did some cleaning around the house this weekend, but I also broke away with uh, Lana and Hazy. We went and saw the new Super Mario Brothers movie finally, and this thing is just super flat out fun. It's just a great animated movie, and I think they pretty much get the mythos of the Mario games correct. Um, you know, Mario, Luigi, Toad, Peach, uh, Donkey Kong is in this. And, uh, of course, you got Bowser, the bad guy. It was just a lot of fun, and I and I kind of, 
was thinking back to when people were bitching about Chris Pratt a couple years back when they announced, hey, we're doing a new Super Mario Brothers movie. Chris Pratt is the voice of Mario and how... I don't know what it is. Like, there are just people that hate Chris Pratt, and I don't understand it. I mean, yeah, he, he might lean a little right, and he's, you know, outspoken about his Christian faith and everything, but he's not a stick in the mud. He's actually a pretty likable guy. He works hard. I, as far as I can tell, nothing too controversial about the guy. I think I, he did a great job as the voice of Mario. I mean, he wasn't doing Star-Lord with this damn thing. And he wasn't trying to do the Mamma Mia thing. Uh, it, it, he gets it just right. And he's a, he's a fun Mario. I mean, of course, it, it's not him jumping around. It's animated. And, you know, he's not doing his own stunts. Okay. Uh, but it's a fun movie. Goes uh, take the kids to see it. Um, and uh, it, it's it's not one of those, hey, you go to a Disney movie things and you get hit with some uh, uh, political message thing. You know, it's not like that at all. It's just... You go there, you have a blast. Um, I, I did watch a grown-up movie this weekend, too. I finally got around to seeing Darkest Hour with uh, Gary Oldman um, as the lead. Winston Churchill. He, this is the one that finally got him Best Actor, Best you know, best Actor Oscar, and it's well-deserved. Uh, the movie is mostly solid, but it, it contends uh, with uh, the first couple of weeks of Winston Churchill's tenure as Prime Minister, as they're dealing with uh, Hitler and Dunkirk and all that fun stuff, uh, the possibility of the fall of Western civilization, and it's it's a compelling story. Uh, it's basically kind of the um, it, it, I don't think they meant for this because it was built made by two different studios, but I mean it's a great companion piece to Dunkirk, the movie that Christopher Nolan did. Nolan's thing uh, movie takes place on the battlefield. This one has a little more political intrigue behind the scenes. Mostly a solid movie, but it's just it's just proof positive that Gary Oldman is one of the all-time greatest actors of all time. There's no question about that at all. And I think I was motivated to watch it because um, my girls, you know, they're getting into other movies aside from the Disney stuff. And maybe they're a little young for this one, but uh, my wife loves The Fifth Element. They love The Fifth Element. They were watching that the other day, and there's Gary Oldman as Zorg in that thing. And... The dude is just a chameleon and throws himself into every freaking role. A fun guy to watch. Uh, if you get a chance, it's on Netflix, Darkest Hour. If you're a history buff, you'll get a uh, you'll get a kick out of it. Alright, so NFL gambling, uh, now a thing going hand in hand, and there's no possible way uh, there can be any sort of contention. Uh, but there is. Uh, it was just announced this weekend that uh, six players, uh, most of which are with the Detroit Lions, I think one or two with uh, the Washington Command Skins, they have been suspended for violating the NFL's policy on gambling. Uh, Jamison Williams, uh, he's um, he's uh, one of such players. He plays with the Lions, and uh, he missed half of uh, last season due to an injury. He's going to miss six games this year. And uh, some of the players that were suspended were actually betting on games in the NFL that they were not involved in. But that's still kind of a big no-no. But it, it, this one kind of sucks with Jameson Williams and uh, I'm forgetting the, uh, the other player. He was basically mobile betting, betting on college games from his own mobile phone inside the Detroit Lions facility. 
So the games he's betting on have nothing to do with the NFL. And, you know, you got FanDuel and uh, BetMGM and uh, DraftKings, basically, uh, you know, making the rounds now last few years. Uh, and uh, the NFL is getting some revenue from that. They're getting the advertising revenue. They've got sponsorship deals out the wazoo. I think with FanDuel, you know, you, you would have uh, Boomer Esiason and Phil Sims this past le- season uh, making their uh, picks before the games with FanDuel. They weren't uh, saying go bet on them, but they're just like, yeah, you, you can pick, you can bet on this guy. And of course, they're doing that, and so they expect the players not to get involved in gambling. Just sit back, relax. We'll we'll, we'll collect the revenue from this. Um, but it's it's kind of a Pandora's box. Once it's opened, how do you keep your players from gambling? When you're when you yourself are encouraging viewers, fans to go out and gamble on these apps, and how are you how are you going to keep your players from doing this? It might be easy to suspend some guys indefinitely or for a season or even half a season that aren't big time names, but let's uh, let's say hypothetically, like uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen or Joe Burrow gets in trouble for this, and I'm not saying they have. I'm just saying I'm just throwing out big names as a hypothetical here. Are you really going to suspend them for a season if they um, they violate it? You know, you 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 start to think about your revenue. You start to think about ratings, and uh, some animals are more equal than others, as George Orwell would say. Uh, would you really crack the whip, crack the hammer, uh, crack some sort of tool uh, to punish your bigger stars if they got in trouble for this crap, while you yourself? are toting uh, how great all this revenue is with FanDuel. And, and for the record, I don't give a shit if you bet on football. If you're a fan, you're a fan. But uh, players, I mean, of course they're going to... If you give an NFL player money and a phone, he's going to bet some games. Maybe not necessarily NFL games, but, I mean, you know, college games. And I think, I think uh, Williams... If he's betting on a game from the Detroit Lions practice facility on his phone college games, I fail to see how that's a violation of uh, the NFL and how it puts him in the bad light. These other players, on the other hand, I mean, yeah, that's a bad look, but it's also a bad look when you're doing what you're doing. And I brought this up with the whole Bernie Kosar mess in the Cleveland Cleveland Browns broadcast booth uh, earlier this year, where he lost his job because he wanted to make a big old bet and he was going to use the winnings for charity or, you know, if he lost, he was going to use the money for charity, whatever. Doesn't matter how charitable it is. You made uh, the announcement before the game you are going to do it. They say adios. And again, Phil Sims and Boomer Sciences still up pimping the uh, FanDuel, the DraftKings, whatever. That's just kind of the mess that uh, this whole gambling thing is with it. Now, if I wasn't blinded by green and I was running the NFL, I mean, yeah, I'd have no problem with FanDuel, uh, you know, your BetMGMs, your DraftKings running commercials during the games. If it's legal, that's fine. Uh, if they're on the up and up, that's fine. If fans are doing it, it's fine. But you have official partnerships now with these apps and NFL teams. You've got them sponsoring little segments 
on the halftime shows, on the pregame shows, and then you're expecting the players not to get involved in these apps as well. It's it's kind of a fine line. It really is. Um, okay, so let's jump back into the Bud Light bullshit. Um, as you know, a few weeks ago, they thought it would be a great idea to have a theater kid slash TikTok attention whore, Dylan Mulvaney, uh, be a, uh, get, get commemorative cans with uh, Dylan's face on it. And, of course, the video went viral, and there was a little bit of a backlash, and there's uh, still kind of an estimate uh, as to how much mo- money but Budweiser and Heiser Bush may have lost on this. They said about five to six billion dollars worth of value since that ran, and it has been kind of anecdotal about uh, how bad the damage has been because you you'll see online reports about uh, bars not selling as much Bud Light. I did get messaged on uh, the Mike Davidson Facebook page by somebody. Uh, they were at a Fort Wayne Comets game. They're in the playoffs right now. I think he was uh, at the Coliseum uh, Friday night. And usually when you're at a hockey game in Fort Wayne, you're drinking Bud Light. Uh, He's saying he saw more people drinking Yingling at the game than ever before. Yingling is readily available, has been. It wasn't like they switched, but, uh, you know, your choice was, you know, Budweiser, Bud Light, Yingling. They are going with Yingling. So you do have some stories like that out there. Um, but uh, Bud Light, Budweiser has decided to make a creative change. Uh, the VP of Marketing, who um, said that she wanted to get away from the fratty look, uh, the fratty feel of this uh, beer, uh, and of course went forward with the Dylan Mulvaney stuff. She is taking a leave of absence, stepping away. Somebody else will be filling the void that she leaves behind. Um, somebody else also mentioned to me that uh, she received uh, death threats, this VP of Marketing. Um, threats against her family. And I'm just going to say right now, that's not cool. Whoever's doing that, I uh, don't know who's doing it. It's not me, but, uh, you know, you don't threaten her. Don't threaten her family. Don't threaten Dylan Mulvaney. You can mock these people, but don't, but don't threaten them. Not cool. Not cool at all. Um, but it goes back to what I've been saying. Know thy product. And I don't, th- I think it's just when you get entrenched in these brands, in Anheuser-Busch, Budweiser, Bud Light is a brand, you just expect it to sell itself and you can do no wrong. And look, we're getting social uh, social value points or whatever they want to call it, social credit, uh, with all these people that say we are, uh, we're nice and gentle and kind. Well, at the same time, you're not really getting your audience. I'll give you a couple more examples. I mean, Dylan Mulvaney is one thing. Dylan Mulvaney chooses to be odd, but in topic, I've said that before. But, you know, yesterday was Earth Day. Um, if Bud Light decided to put out green cans and have uh, Greta Thunberg get commemorative cans and do a viral video, they would take a hit. Let's just say one of the executives at Budweiser really loves Donald Trump and decides to get uh, the Trump 2024 commemorative cans to the dawn. I'm sure Budweiser and Heiser-Busch would take a financial hit. Uh, Thunberg or Trump, probably not as bad as, say, Dylan Mulvaney because, well, hot-button topic. But your job as, uh, as a marketing person is not to preach to the audience. Your job is to strengthen that audience, bring people into the fold, at the same time maintaining your P1s. Hard lesson to learn. And some businesses get it. A lot of them nowadays don't. 
Okay, uh, the Jonathan Majors crap, as you know, the uh, once, future, maybe Kang, uh, you know, a former Army spokesperson, uh, a few weeks back got in trouble uh, being charged with assault with his ex-girlfriend. I guess they're not on speaking terms anymore, uh, but he's being charged. Um, when I um, mentioned this last podcast i you know I, I usually gather some information some stories hours before i go on and then i went and did my recording but in between those things it came out that uh, the prosecution in new york getting more uh more witnesses um and more victims that say yeah jonathan majors is a bad dude i don't know what to exactly believe because well i don't know jonathan majors he's an actor and I don't know anything about uh, the woman he is alleged to assault, if these victims that are coming forward are telling the truth, or if the prosecution is telling the truth. It's a wait and see. You have to look at the evidence that's put forward. Uh, don't assume... I know you're innocent until proven guilty, but don't assume anything with guilt or innocence with Jonathan Majors. Let it play out. Now, I will mention that uh, there are two... Oh, before I get into this, I, I am correct, by the way. Well, kind of. I had a, a, an article from the New York Post kind of uh, verify a theory of mine as to why, you know, the PR and managerial firms of Jonathan Majors cut loose with him and some of the smaller films that he was up for cut loose with him, but Marvel, Disney sticking around with him. And I, I said they probably don't want to get sued because he's basically their next Josh Brolin. Lo and behold... That is um, kind of the rumor around the campfire with that. Uh, there are executives that say that if they fire him and he is wrongfully accused and proven innocent, he can come back and sue them for tens of millions, if not more, dollars. So I am right there. They're keeping their powder dry. They're probably not going to make a move until things look absolutely positively rotten. And as you know, at Disney, everything's okay and groovy and nothing's going wrong. Um, but uh, going to these two perspectives, um, there's OutKick. There, it's a conservative-leaning sports uh, site. Get to their perspective in a minute. But uh, John Nolte, he writes for Breitbart, and I'm, I'm not a big Breitbart uh, news site fan, but I do like John Nolte's take on movies. He points out something uh, pretty damn ridiculous here. Um, you know, John, Jonathan Majors has not been charged with anything, but uh, everybody's basically keeping their distance from this dude. Whereas uh, Ezra Miller, who's uh, practically a cult leader who held a woman and her children hostage and beat up some people at a Honolulu karaoke bar and has had trouble with substance abuse. I mean, just, uh, just a caricature of a caricature of a human being. Uh, no charges were filed, got to go to rehab, and still has this damn Flash movie coming out this summer. And by the way, Ezra Miller is not Barry Allen. Not even close to being a convincing Flash. But he's got all this going on. Whereas Jonathan Majors, his career is at a standpoint. He's at a standstill. He can't go anywhere. And uh, there are some circles that just assume he's guilty. Again, I don't know. Same time, another uh, unique conservative um, uh, look at this, OutKick, 
the author talks about how uh, Jonathan Majors gets to keep his job at Disney. He hasn't been fired yet. And again, he probably, uh, Disney doesn't want to get sued. But Gina Carino, she got fired for, uh, you know, saying Nazis are for censorship. And, yeah, it's funny that she got fired for saying censorship is evil. Uh, they have a nice point there, too. Now, how do I reconcile this? It's pretty easy. You shouldn't have fired Gina Carino from The Mandalorian. You can't assume guilt or innocence just yet with Jonathan Majors. You keep your powder dry. And uh, Ezra Miller should have his pronouns chosen for him in jail. That's how you reconcile those viewpoints. Um, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how that all uh, breaks as uh, we get closer and closer to trial day. I think it's uh, here in uh, May uh, that... Uh, Things will get going in New York State. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 3 might be the last MCU project I'm really excited about right now because you just, Phase 4, yeah, there's the wokeness and there's the lack of direction and everything. It's just, it's outside of Spider-Man, no way home. Uh, it's just been very disappointing. And, and can I say something to, like, no way home, uh, uh, Columbia, for the most part, that's produced by Columbia Sony, and then uh, the separate Spider-Man project, uh, you know, into the Spider-Verse, and then you got, um, you know, the sequel coming out this summer. Those movies seem to do a lot better at a multiverse story than anything that Disney is doing right now. I find that a little interesting, uh, but I digress. Um, but Guardians looks uh, great. However, and, and there's been some r uh, rumors that uh, the Tesla screenings and the critics love Guardians 3, but it's access media, so again, take it with a powder, uh, a grain of salt. But uh, I guess one of the big things is uh, there's a scene where Star-Lord, Mr. Um, <laughs> Mr. Chris Pratt, uh, may have dropped an F-bomb to Nebula, Karen Gillum. And that might be the first recorded F-bomb in MCU uh, at all. And it's kind of surprising because Disney avoids using the F-bomb. But anybody that's gone to see any of the recent Marvel movies have probably dropped some F-bombs under their breath, leaving going, what the F was that mess? I am looking forward to Guardians 3, and I'm hoping that James Gunn uh, gives his characters and gets a nice little send-off himself with it and it comes out uh she's i think it comes out uh, in the first week of may yeah i'm gonna write this down all right so alec baldwin is not being charged uh with uh, anything on the rust shooting uh which left somebody dead and you know, my whole thing about it was i don't think he meant to kill anybody but some of his testimony some of his stuff like he could have uh he could have been charged with perjury, you know, bearing false witness to uh, to it, but they dropped it because they didn't have much of a case. I mean, I don't think, I don't think Alec Baldwin is out to kill anybody. I hope not. Uh, but he's actually back on the set <laughs> of Rust, this much maligned project, um, and I can't imagine anybody at this point who's working on that set really loves working on the set. Okay. Uh, but there was a picture of him. I should have linked this up on the Mike Davidson Facebook page. If I if I think to do it this week, I will. But there's a picture of him setting it up with some cast members on the set. 
and he's got the gun. He's holding. And again, I'm not a firearms expert, but the way he's holding this, it's like he he knows he has to be careful, but he's being a little too careful. He's got he's holding, uh, I guess, uh, the butt of the gun in his hand, and it's pointing away from him, backwards. Like it just it, it's the goofiest damn thing uh, I have ever seen. <laughs> Uh, by the way, uh, Guy Ritchie, uh, a guy whose movies um, have basically been known for gunplay, he's talking about how he has to, he's now going to use fake guns with fake ammunition in his movies just to avoid that. And I can't blame him because uh, one of the first things when it comes to making a movie or uh, anything is never trust actors. So, uh, he's learned a lesson from the Rust stuff, I guess. I don't know. Okay, so uh, the Twitter de-verification is underway at, uh, well, Twitter. And there are people pissed off about it. Um, and that's fine by me because they're mostly celebrities and they feel entitled to this. Bette Midler just uh, went on a big cry rant. Yeah, here's the thing. Like, if you pay the 8 bucks a month, you get verified. Great. If... And I, if you don't want to, and you say, you know what, I'll stay on Twitter, but now nah, this is bullshit. I'm just going to, I'm just going to, you know, stay on Twitter. And good luck if knowing me, but I will, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll still tweet. That's fine too. I mean, it's your account. You can do whatever the hell you want. But what I find amazing is just, just the, the lack of lack of connect. And with Bette Midler, uh, if you go Google this thing, she's just calling Elon Musk every name under the freaking sun. She's lost her damn mind. Um, yeah, and again, I don't mind, but he's doing some weird things where he's actually paying for a few accounts. Like um, he's he's paying to keep LeBron James verified and i don't know if it's one thing to go hey hey lebron who's your daddy or something like that i i probably wouldn't have done anything and look i i'm not the world's biggest lebron fan but if if you have a chance to not give any drama to this dude don't do it but elon you know he's poking the bear who knows it might be amusing down the road uh speaking of nba uh deadspin uh which is everybody's favorite sports website uh has decided to call uh, Phil Jackson essentially a political weenie because in a recent interview he was talking about how like uh, during the um, uh, the pandemic, which was everybody's favorite moment in history, uh, the NBA was in the bubble. They're doing the, the playoffs and they had justice and, you know, BLM all over the court. And he was talking about how, you know, he'd be at home with his family kind of laughing at it. And uh, now you got Deadspin saying, well, you know, looks like Phil Jackson's a racist and and uh, Jalen Rose um, is calling him a racist, saying he's had success on the backs of black players, and you know how dare he say this? I just want to point out that Phil Jackson has 11 rings, and when you look at the college career and pro career of Jalen Rose, he has won 0.0% uh, championships. So, and and you can't tell me that younger Jalen Rose wouldn't want to play. Uh, for Phil Jackson, who had uh, arguably two of the greatest basketball players ever to play under him. One, Michael Jordan. One, Kobe Bryant. And, you know, those two guys had their political opinions and probably would have been sympathetic to the BLM, BLM thing. And 
some other things, but they also want to go on the court and kick your ass, and uh, Jordan would probably do that, and Kobe, God rest his soul, would probably do that. Whereas I remember LeBron throwing a big hissy fit and wanting the playoffs to be canceled during the bubble thing, and it was it was a big to do. But Phil Jackson has eleven rings as a coach. Uh, Pop over in San Antonio doesn't even have that. Pop's got some uh, some uh, cred, most definitely as a Hall of Fame coach. But it's weird how sports media. It's cool every time he has to uh, mouth off about politics. But, uh, you know, Phil Jackson, who has been mostly quietly retired and probably, you know, out, outside of the dynasty of the 60s Boston Celtics, you can make the argument uh, the most successful college, co- or not college, NBA coach. He says something, and it's just like, oh, well, he's Hitler. Um, he's a he's a, just a racist weenie, and it's like, no, he's he's got 11 rings. Uh, shut the hell up. Uh, okay, so wrapping all that up, uh, there was one story I wanted to get to, but I kind of went on some rants. I got yeah, this, uh, this wrestling thing out in Illinois. I might touch upon it here, get a few more details about it. Uh, coming up for the next podcast, but uh, one of these, and finally, stories here, just to give you an idea of how cool Seal is, the singer, uh, I mean, first of all, he was uh, married to Heidi Klum for a little bit, so for a guy to have a scar on his face like that and uh, land a chick that hot, you know he's cool. He's a great singer, by the way. Um, but they're ta- some podcast interview thing, they were talking to him about his favorite albums, and, you know, he's... You know, he's got the typical crooner albums because he himself is a crooner, but he was talking, he got on the topic of rock albums and how, like, at the time, he was getting big, you know, it was the early 90s, and at the same time that Pearl Jam and Nirvana were getting big. He's talking about how one of his favorite albums of all time is uh, Facelift by Alice in Chains. Like, it was either Facelift or Dirt, but he's a big Alice in Chains fan. And I just kept thinking, man, Seal is cool. Um, if um, if Jerry Cantrell can convince his bandmates to get together, do a cover of Kiss by Rose, send it his way, I think that would make Seal's day, man. Or if you know Seal wants to, you know, break out a nice little acapella thing of no excuses. Either way, I think uh, music fans across multiple genres would be very, very entertained. All right, with that all said and done. I am Kaputz. Till next time, stay fresh, cheesebags. You've been listening to Mike Davidson Live. Be sure to check him out on social media. Like him at facebook.com backslash mdavidsonlives. Follow him on Twitter. Look for at Davidson Live.